This is a Federal News Network podcast. The five-year census of agriculture is now underway. It's a periodic survey the Agriculture Department sends to get a sense of the nation's ag economy, land use and ownership, farm characteristics, production practices, income and expenditures. For how the census works, Federal News Network's Eric White spoke with the administrator of USDA's National Agricultural Statistics Service, Hubert Hamer. U.S. Census of Agriculture has a long history, first conducted in 1840 over at the United States Census Bureau, moved to to the United States Department of Agriculture in 1997, and has been conducted every five years since. Gotcha. And what is it uh, composed of? Is it uh, mostly questions pertaining to uh, what ag producers are working on, or is it also taking notes of the kind of workforce that they have working with them? Okay, when you think of the census, it basically measures the structure of U.S. agriculture, how much land is involved in production, uh, how many farmers are involved, how many farms, the value of production and sales in agriculture. So it's a very comprehensive look every five years at the scope of U.S. agriculture. And so you send out notifications and then uh, the farmers, I imagine, or ag producers, we can call them, send in a paper form or is it done online or is that a new, fairly new development? Well, actually, the first chance to respond is online. We're really encouraging producers to go online. It's the, the fastest, most effective way uh, to provide the information. Uh, and again, the, uh, best, the best benefit for the uh, taxpayers to do it that way. For those who don't have uh, good Internet access, uh, we follow up with paper questionnaires and you can provide the information on paper as well. And what do the uh, ag producers themselves get out of it? Uh, I know that the U.S. Census Bureau uh, always tries to uh, advertise the benefits that uh, taxpayers get from census. What do the ag producers themselves get out of this? Well, it's very important information uh, for the uh, taxpayer, for the farmers and ranchers. It provides a comprehensive look at agriculture down to the county level. We'll have information for more than count more than 3,000 counties, parishes, and boroughs across the United States. This information helps USDA administer programs for the farmers, uh, provide disaster assistance, provides data for policymakers, researchers, lenders, and all other organizations involved in agriculture. So you all are the National Agriculture Statistics Service, so you are the ones in charge, the gatekeepers of this information. Uh, what can you tell me about that process and how you all go about storing this information and making sure that the USDA policymakers have the information that they need? Well, it's very uh, critical information. We are the gatekeepers. We collect that information, as I stated, every five years. The other benefit of providing this information to USDA, to us directly, we're a principal statistical federal agency. That means that any piece of information provided to USDA NAS is confidential, cannot be shared with any other entity. It is only released at the county, the district, the state level, et cetera. So uh, the data is protected, and it really does serve the rural communities and farmers and ranchers. Yeah, have you experienced similar reservations about privacy concerns, such as that the you know national census uh, itself uh, weathers every ten years? Um, are, are is that a concern that you hear from those who do choose to participate? Well, we just want to be upfront. It's an indicated on the questionnaire that their data are protected by law. 
So that's very important that no one is profiting from their information. And the information, again, is is uh, gathered for the benefit of U.S. agriculture. And what can you tell me about the scope of the census itself? Uh, how many can you tell me about how many have participated in the past and what it looks like as a landscape as it comes to ag production in the country? Okay, I'll say this. The bar for uh, inclusion in the census of agriculture is very low. Any place for which $1,000 worth of ag products were sold during the reference year, which will be 2022, are included. No matter the size and and location of operations, uh, we go out uh, to collect that information directly from them and to be able to provide information back to their communities to support decision-making at the local level. Wow. So it includes uh, corporate farmers as well as just the people that are filling out the roadside stands all across the country? (laughs) That's exactly right. $1,000 of sales, you're included. And no matter the location, uh, we uh, want to make sure that we collect that information because actually most of the producers in U.S. agriculture are are small producers. And uh, we have obviously corporate operations that produce the bulk of, of, of commodities But we have producers from all walks of life and and, and all locations around the country. And what else can you tell me about NASA's work itself? Obviously, the the census project is probably at the forefront at the moment. But what else uh, what other kinds of information gathering missions do you all uh, participate in for USDA? Okay, Uh, NASA is the data collection arm for USDA. Uh, We disseminate more than 450 reports on an annual basis with information on crops, livestock and environmental statistics and every five years uh, the centerpiece of our data collection activity then is the census of agriculture but we're very busy with other projects outside of the census of agriculture yeah what uh, can you tell me about just one or two of those other projects Uh, yeah i'll give you an example on a monthly basis we disseminate the monthly crop production data report that has information for I'll give you an example, the 2022 field crops. Uh, We have corn production, soybean production, the yield and production for those reports. Currently, we're getting ready to field the annual agricultural resource management study uh, in cooperation with the Economic Research Service, where we measure the financial well-being of U.S. agriculture. So we have a variety of programs, reports that have the inventory of hogs and pigs and cattle in the United States. So a lot of different, uh, di- lot of different uh, reports for our data user community. And will USDA leadership call on you to help analyze specific uh, characteristics of the agriculture industry that they are trying to observe for certain policy measures? I'm thinking about, you know, that uh, there's been a big push for equity and inclusion in government as well as, well, in all industries, as well as um, climate change uh, or uh, measurements that pertain to that as well. Do they call on you for that? Well, uh, the census of ag data are used for all of those purposes. Obviously, uh, for the uh, farmers and ranchers, we collect demographic characteristics, the age of producers, uh, the ethnic background of producers. A lot of our data are also used to measure uh, production over time to try to look at some of the impact of adverse weather effects, climate change and the like. So our data are in the mix in the middle of all of these decisions. Policymakers are using these data for the farm bill and other legislative uh, activity. 
And do you all ever provide any analysis to that data as well, or is it just a strictly collecting uh, project? We provide, uh, we do analysis and, and, uh, and, and provide the raw data. Our sister agency, the Economic Research Service within USDA, provides some additional uh, uh, analysis to see exactly what that means to the market, et cetera. So there's partnership within the department uh, to provide that data to policymakers and, and uh, USDA officials. Well, I want to make sure that uh, I thank the farmers and ranchers from across the, the uh, United States. We have about 3.4 million farmers, and uh, we go out and collect and uh, uh, survey these producers. They are the most knowledgeable source, and we just appreciate their cooperation over time. Uh, we have a great relationship with the farmers, ranchers, and producer organizations, and we could not do our job without their help and support. So I just want to thank them. Hubert Hamer is administrator of USDA's National Agricultural Statistics Service, speaking with Federal News Network's Eric White. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics, I, um, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from, from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of, of people with intellectual disabilities and, and, and physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually, usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit, you know, they, they basically were in direct care. And, and I will say, and on, a, obviously we'll say about my, my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but, uh, the, the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are, are really, um, you know, we, we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're, they're really heroes. And, um, so I was, I was drawn when I, I, and I just saw that, you know, Special Olympics was looking for someone. And I thought, well, you know, take a look at it and see, see, you know, throw, uh, send in my information. And lo and behold, I, I, I get hired and, um, I learn, uh, every day, almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington, DC. And, you know, uh, Terrell, who, who works in, in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries. Uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by, always happy, always enthused, uh, has, a, has a good story. Like, it can just turn a day around for you. And, and, and you think of, I, I, you know, often when you'll walk away, I'll be like, you know, whatever was bothering me or whatever is, you know, stressing me out. And come on, you know, like look at look at Terrell. Like he 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 faces everything with optimism, and 
And, and I've seen that also in our uh, going to competitions in throughout the United States and globally, you see people who have had everything stacked against them. You know, their parents, when they were born, were often told this is a tragedy and you should, you should, you know, send your, this child away. Don't, don't, you know, and kind of forget about them, get, turn them over to the state or, or wherever. And, and, you know, that, you know, just kind of watch, watch your hands a bit. Um, and, and, and in, in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and, but they've still faced enormous challenges, you know, and, but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming and, uh, and, and, you know, besting their times from, from their last competition. And they're so committed and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from a- the athletes of Special Olympics that uh, I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more, uh, we get more than we give. Uh, working with Special Olympics, it, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do, but but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That that you know, it's a and it's so unique and it's so uh, joyful and and uh, I mean, we work hard and you know, we we're up against you know the things that nonprofits are up against and you know the you know the issues of the day. But uh, man, you see, it, it, and 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 the inclusion and the at Special Olympics, no one's excluded. You know, no, right. no one's excluded. Everyone yeah. is equal at Special Olympics. It, and, you know, in a country that's quite divided on so many lines, politically and uh, socially, uh, economically, race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot. But you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics in experience the power of Special Olympics for themselves, I, I, I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um, to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference. How, how do we get, how can listeners get involved in Special Olympics? Ways to get involved? Uh, tons of ways. So uh, volunteers, obviously, coaches, officials, um, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I mentioned earlier, um, where people and, and it doesn't have to be. Uh, it's not just school age. It's it's, uh, you know, we say nine to ninety nine or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together. Uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think, when you when you go back to the founding uh, of our organization, what Mrs. Tri- Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to, to 
uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes, man, are some of the grittiest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out at, you know, uh, specialolympics.org on, on our website. Uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll, uh, Talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights. And 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.